0: Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast. Conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Thank you, this is George Lopez. I am the Global Mobility and Immigration Chair at Littler based out of Miami, Florida. With me is Sean McCrory, who is an associate uh, based out of our Dallas office, with years of, uh, of experience with ICE in reference to immigration compliance issues. And we're here to basically talk about the immigration compliance world and worksite enforcement overall and what that is all about. Sean, when we talk about workforce compliance, what specifically are we talking about overall so folks can understand what the general gist of where we're leading the conversation.
1: Sure. The biggest thing is in regards to the Form I 9. So, the Form I 9 is the form that every single employee working in the United States needs to fill out on. Uh, first day of employment and present documents showing they have employment authorization within the next three business days. And ICE conducts uh, random audits focused on certain industries at a time uh, where they look to see that an employer is is completing I-9s for all of its employees and completing them correctly. If an employer makes mistakes or fails to do I-9s, it can result in civil fines. When uh, ICE starts an audit, an employer has only three days to produce the I-9s from the specified time period, so there can be quite a time crunch. And then after that, ICE will take some time to review them, uh, follow back up if there's some mistakes that can be corrected, known as technical errors, ICE will give the employer an opportunity to correct those. But if there are what we call substantive errors, mistakes that can't be fixed, those will likely result in a fine. And at at that time, the employer will um, either have to contest it through an administrative hearing or or try to negotiate a reduction. There are some other uh, types of worksite compliance, and uh, those have to do more with Visa compliance and, uh, you know, George, if you'd speak a little bit about what the Fraud Detection and National Security Directorate or FDNS does in the visa immigration benefit world?
0: Sure. I mean, weirdly, when we're talking about the FDNS, we're talking about site visits that uh, the feds basically have uh, initiated uh, for for years now, and it's an ongoing process. Certain visa categories have been subject to it. For example, the H visa, which is the most common type of visa used, the L visa for intercompany transfers, H visa is for professional workers. uh, And there's talk of expanding that to other visa categories and making it mandatory over uh, we are seeing an increased number of site visits, but that's been occurring systemically throughout the last couple of years. Our experience is overall that it probably will continue to incre- uh, go at the same pace, if not increase in the upcoming years, and that's something that I think with the changes that have been ongoing, and we'll go a little bit into that from the enforcement perspective at the agency level, that we'll probably see an increase in site visits and the type of materials and in requests for information uh, provided. We also have looked at you know, historically, DOJ has the Immigrant and Employee Rights uh, Provision, or uh, section, that used to be called the OSC, the Office of Special Counsel for Employment Related and Immigration Discrimination Issues. That was created under ERCA in 1986, that created the same requirements as the I-9. And that was basically an offshoot of concerns regarding folks basically using the I-9 context on a certain discriminatory basis. Uh, in the Obama years, we saw quite an increase overall, Sean, in reference to folks that have been coming up and with that type of information. But I'll tell you one thing, I think under the uh, Trump administration, we might see a decrease, which has been historically what we've seen with Republican administrations, a decrease of uh, immigration-related compliance issues related to discriminatory practices. So that uh, ball is still out there to be determined as to where that's going to be going.
1: And one of one the thing that the uh, DOJ IER, Immigrant em- Employee Rights Section, polices is improper use of E-Verify. And like George was saying, they are a much smaller office uh, compared to ICE. Um, I think there's really only about 15 to 20 attorneys in Washington, D.C. for the DOJ IER, and ICE obviously has a very large enforcement presence nationwide. Um, I think in the next, few years um, under the Trump administration, we're going to be seeing some big changes and George, what do, you, what do you think we're going to be seeing for employers?
0: Well, I think overall, I, I'm, my bets are on probably greater enforcement. We already are seeing an uptick in I-9 audits. I think what we're going to be seeing is is overall also a, a, a return back to what I call the, uh, the uh, worksite raid scenarios that used to occur under the Bush administration, but basically were um, abolished from a policy perspective under the Obama years, where uh, we we're mostly concentrating from a compliance perspective as a government in reference to going to work sites and picking up undocumented workers and basically initiating uh, removal proceedings if they are determined to be un- unlawfully here. Those who th- that practice did not exist much under the Obama years. It does create operational concerns from an enforcement perspective. You can talk about what effect it really has, but in essence, what it does do in the short term is create operational issues with employers overall. So that's something that will be ongoing and will be increasing. Audits I think will be increasing uh, and um, we're already starting to see an uptick from the Obama years that the last quarter uh, or a couple years of the Obama years we started seeing a decrease in the I-9 audits that were done nationally. Now we're seeing an uptick of that uh, going across systemically overall. So we'll we'll see that increase along with uh, potential increase in uh, E-Verify compliance issues. I think E-Verify is something, that, Sean, that's going to be increasing uh, in uh, the political framework, because there is talk about making it a mandatory process, not no longer the the um, voluntary uh, recruitment process that exists right now with the feds. And of course, if E-Verify becomes an issue, that's all sorts of issues that we should be concerned about. But you know, we can't talk about immigration, we can't talk about compliance. Once we talk about you know DACA and we talk about TPS, and those are two things that are in, in vogue right now because there are provisions in place to basically determine whether or not we're going to extend DACA, determine whether or not it's going to be statutorily salvaged or not. That book is yet to be written. We'll see what the uh, the politicians do in reference to that. TPS stands for temp- Temporary Protective Status. It's used by the federal government for folks to determine whether or not certain nationalities should be given sort of a sanctioned status in the United States for a provisional period of time because of usually you know, na- national emergency. Weather emergencies, earthquakes, you know, hurricanes, civil wars, those things, things, along those lines. But we'll see where that goes. There's talk about terminating those programs or diminishing their effect overall in reference to that. But one of the things that we do want to make clear, whether it's DACA or TPS, uh, existing authorizations are still in place. There is no implementation of uh, abrogating existing approvals, so we should be treating DACA or TPS. EPS individuals, similar to that as we treat most individuals uh, that are in the employment workforce, just manage the expiration dates and move forward.
1: Yeah, one thing I wanted to add about the the worksite raids is while we haven't seen them return yet, it's probably more of a question of, of when ICE has the resources and is staffed up to to return to them, and the. The the real difference is it's not necessarily that the employer is the target as it would be in an I-9 raid, but ICE is coming after employees who lack work authorization or maybe have committed some acts that, that take them out of their immigration status, but Well, as George was saying, there can be real operational concerns. It can hurt morale um, and also um, an employer can be, you know, caught up in the process if there's any indication where I think that the employer may have been employing individuals who lack work authorization. Um, so I think those, it's a budget yeah.
0: issue, Sean. Pardon my interruption on that, but I think that, I, overall, I think a lot of things that we're talking about are, are, we haven't seen any major, major changes because there are budget constraints. I mean, talking about adding additional resources to basically increase compliance requires us as a government to basically put out those additional resources with greater staffing. For it to have greater staffing, you need greater numbers and budgets, and the budget numbers aren't there right now. Would you agree with that? or do you think that that's not really as big of an effect as I'm thinking.
1: Yes, I agree, and I think that, you know, specifically as, as you were saying with DACA, now that the ball is kind of in, in Congress's court, it'll be interesting to see the horse trading if there's, you know, for years, states have been trying to, different states have implemented mandatory verify use, there's a good chance that if, immigration benefits are extended, for example, DACA, then the people who are more pro-enforcement will insist on increased use of V-Verify or mandatory use of V-Verify. And that's probably what we'll be seeing is is a give and take. If there are any extension of benefits, there will also be definitely increased enforcement.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that and I think overall then, you know, we need to make sure that employers are out there doing more proactive steps in, that, in order to be able to uh, determine or limit their exposure in the future and I think one of those things they should be doing is basically increasing the internal I-9 audits to make sure they are compliant with the regulatory requirements. I mean, the majority of fines related to work site enforcement issues uh, with employers is not so much because they, they're undocumented workers. That's actually usually not the issue. The issue is really because they're not properly doing the I-9s. So I think doing your due diligence and basically showing good faith that you're trying to do the right thing and take corrective action in reference to the I-9 compliance is something that should be done overall. Anything to add to that, Sean, do you think what we should probably consider?
1: No, it's uh, it's great to to have your house in order in in regards to I9s because like I was saying earlier, when when ICE requests them, they're entitled to those forms within three days. A lot of times, they'll request that you don't make any changes to the forms. So um, once the audit comes, you don't have a chance to 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 show ICE that you you're trying. You may have made mistakes, but you're trying in good faith to. Correct any errors on your i nines and and we all have to admit they're simple forms, but it's easy to make little mistakes on them. So making sure you know your i nine house is in order is a great way to be prepared for the coming increase in enforcement. Also making sure you have a strong understanding of how everify is supposed to be used, another program which has a lot of technical rules where there can be pretty significant consequences if there's any any error made. And I think the last thing that would be helpful, especially for dealing with increased worksite rates, is having a crisis management plan. George, could you explain a little bit about what that is?
0: Sure, I mean, without a doubt we know for a fact that this is not an administration, that is not marketing savvy. I think they use the media to basically be able to pro- project uh, their plans and their focus and make sure that the uh, uh, focus uh, of immigration compliance is out there and getting presented to the general population. There's no better way of that than basically showing, you know, worksite raids and I-9 compliance and throwing out stats and, and general information. As a result of that, you know, it has been historically advised by us to make sure we have a good crisis management plan because the media is always good to point out, for example, you know, there's been a worksite rate in reference to plant X or company Y, uh, but they don't come back and say, well, you know, six months later and say, well, that resulted in nothing because the company was compliant. So you've got to make sure your messaging is out there and you have a crisis management team that includes legal and HR and public relations and marketing. Marketing. And folks are basically going to be projecting, basically, the process as to what our plan is going to be in case of something such as a, a compliance-related raid or incentive or initiative is set out there by the federal government against the company because that is something that we must try to plan for and control, otherwise it will basically mushroom and take its own uh, life and basically not make the company look in a very compliant, or let's say better stated, efficiently managing their legal requirements. And with that, hopefully this very slight synopsis of some of the general issues that we see in in our immigration compliance world have been of use to you. And we hope that we basically can be a service. Keep in mind that Littler provides uh, updated information through its ASAP system and its uh, global mobility portal at the uh, littler.com website. Any other information or information can be provided there as well.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.